Life Audio. The new covenant means that Christ is the ultimate sacrifice made for all of our sins. It's not a system where you have to keep on sacrificing over and over and over again. So many of us go to God over and over again. What can I do to show you, God, that I really mean it this time? That was done in Christ. He is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't continue to make sacrifices over and over again. The new covenant means Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus himself mediates for us on our behalf, and that gives us full access to God. We have full communion with God through Jesus. Hey, my friends, welcome back to How to Study the Bible. I'm your host, Nicole Eunice, and I'm super glad to be back with you this fall. It's been so good to get back underway. I hope that you're Life is settling into a routine that you're carving out some space to dwell with the Lord and accept his love for you just exactly where you are, the highs and the lows, the difficult times and the good times, and that you're becoming more and more aware of his presence. And that's what we're really about here on How to Study the Bible. We do the practical work of jumping into scripture together, but really everything that God gives us is about a transformation of our heart. It says in scripture that knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. So we're really about discovering more and more just this deep love that God has for us. I think our greatest work in life is to believe more and more in the love that God has for you, for me, for this world, and for the way that he's called us to his purposes here with our life, because your life matters deeply. So We are in a series called God of Our Fathers, and we're looking at the God of Abraham. So all the time through scripture, you hear this phrase, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And in case you've never really dove in, we've got some foundational matters about who God is and how he works in the world and how he works in our stories that we find when we know a little bit more about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So we're in our second week on Abraham. There's a lot, gosh, there's so much more that we could say, but we're just hitting the real highlights here, just focusing on a couple of key moments in Abram's life. So his name was changed to Abraham by God, but in this early part that we're in, he's still called Abram. So no confusion there. Just hang with it. They love, they love to change names in the Bible. So just stick with it. And Abram is Abraham, but in this passage, he's still Abram. Okay. So we're going to look at what's happening here. Last week, we talked about what God did when God called him to go and how Abram believed him and went and was obedient. And we started learning about this idea that God has a plan and then he pursues blessing. And now we're going to skip ahead. We're now in Genesis 15 and Abram has no children. And so there's a sense of like, God has given him this blessing that in you, all families will be blessed, but he doesn't have any kids. And his wife is beyond childbearing years. So they have gotten old and nothing seems to be happening the way that perhaps they expected it to. And that's where we pick up our story. I'm going to read you all 18 verses. What I want you to do is do your very best to visualize, visualize this story. After this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, 
you have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be, verse six, Abram believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He also said to him, I am the Lord who brought you out of Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to take possession of it. But Abram said, sovereign Lord, how can I know that I will gain possession of it? So the Lord said to him, bring me a heifer, a goat and a ram, each three years old, along with a dove and a young pigeon. So Abram brought all of these to him and then cut them in two and arranged the halves opposite each other. The birds, however, he did not cut in half. Then birds of prey came down on the carcasses, but Abram drove them away. As the sun was setting, Abram fell into a deep sleep and a thick and dreadful darkness came over him. Then the Lord said to him, know for certain that for 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country, not their own that they will be enslaved and mistreated there. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your ancestors in peace and be buried at a good old age. In the fourth generation, your descendants will come back here, for the sin of the Amorites has not yet reached its full measure. When the sun had set and darkness had fallen, a smoking firepot with a blazing torch appeared and passed between the pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. Oh, 
Okay, so a lot going on here. We're not going to get into all of it, but I wanted to make sure that you had a fly overview of what's kind of happening. So first question we always ask in our Bible study is, what does it say? And I'm curious what you're noticing in this passage. If you're reading it along in your Bible, if you've underlined or made some notes, if you just listen to me read it, I'm sure some things stuck out to you. I'm sure you were like, wow, there's a lot of animals involved. There's a lot of cutting up of animals involved. Yes, all of that is true. But we also, before we get to that, I think just very, very high level, something for us to engage with is that God is essentially relational and personal. There, there's a, there's a conversation going on here. It's not just like the Lord comes to Abram in a vision, gives him these words, and then Abram has to figure out what they mean, right? Because God says to Abram at the beginning, don't be afraid. I'm your shield. I am your reward. And that's when Abram starts asking questions. He's like, I don't understand how the promise that you've made to me is going to come true. This is when he says, I'm still childless. I don't, no one is going to inherit my estate. And yet that's the promise that you gave me all those years ago, right? And so the Lord is now speaking back and forth with Abram. And I think sometimes, especially in the Old Testament, there's this sort of view that God is distant and violent and aggressive And I think there are some things that we have to reconcile with when it comes to the culture of the day, particularly in the Old Testament and some of those things. But I I don't think that God shows up as not relational. There's just as much of this back and forth we see here with Abram. We see it with Moses. We, We see it with David. We see these interactions, right, where there's this human element of really trying to be obedient to the Lord, to be faithful to God and and doubting and struggling and questioning, asking. And so we see that. And I I think if there's one, even just one takeaway, that's a really important one is that God is relational and personal, right? And so Abram's asking questions back and forth. And he finally asks in verse eight, well, how how will I know that this is going to happen? And that's where we get into this kind of strange scene, right? There's this sense that like, okay, all these animals are going to come, a heifer, a goat, a ram, dove, pigeon, all of them. And Abram is going to have to cut them all. And he puts them across from each other. So he cuts the animal in half. And then the animals are across from each other. Now, I don't know the last time that you were dressing, field dressing an actual animal. Um, Like if you're a hunter, you may be familiar with that. My closest familiarity with any of that is from watching the show alone. It's like a survival show that we love to watch in my family. And I don't even like to deal with chicken in the package. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, I don't like the blood that comes with chicken breast in a package. But what I do know from anything that I understand about living creatures, it would have been a lot of blood. Like, this is a big scene, what is happening here. Um, really bloody, really violent, lots and lots of flesh, you know what I mean, that's going on here. It probably would have taken Abram most of the day just to to do this and arrange this scene, right? And then on top of that, there's vultures and birds coming down and Abram's like keeping them away from this scene. Okay. So that's what we know is happening. And then it says that Abram was in a deep sleep. Other, other translations actually say that he was put into a deep sleep. Okay. And that the Lord then spoke to him and gives him this prophecy about what's coming. And he says, Hey, for 400 years, 
this is going to go badly. Like your your descendants are going to be slaves. And this is prophesying forward about the story of the Israelites being enslaved in Egypt. If you're familiar with that story, we're going to get toward that as we get into the story of Jacob. But he's basically saying this is going to happen. It's going to last a long time. But when it does, when it is the right time, they are going to come out of that nation and they're going to have great possession. So basically they're going to be sustained. So God's giving Abram this continued vision. Remember, Abram's question earlier was, how am I even, how are you even going to fulfill the first promise, right? Because I have no children. Whoever's going to be like my, my chief steward, my chief slave is going to get my estate. And God's actually now saying, no, is is so much more than that. You're going to have so many descendants. You're going to have so many people in your lineage. They're going to go through a hard time, but they're going to come out of that. And after he gives him that vision, it says in verse 17, darkness falls and then a smoking fire pot passes between the pieces. And this is the Lord making a covenant with Abram. Now, you might ask, what in the world? Like, why does this matter to my life? But this is why we always work through the story first before we get to application, because a lot of times there's there's quite a few things that we need to pick up before we're ready to go to application. So what does it say? We kind of understand the story, right? That Abram is childless. The backstory is, if we get to kind of question two, the backstory here is that right before this in Genesis 14, Abram has just been tempted to gain power by making a treaty with another neighboring king. And he resists that temptation. He stays true and faithful to God. And and in that, he's now asking the question, like, how is what God has promised going to come true? So I think it's really interesting that in some ways, Abram has just gone through a test of his faithfulness because he's been told to not make treaties with other kings and he resists doing so. And now we have him now coming and the Lord kind of comforting him, reminding him that he is his shield, that he is his reward. He doesn't need to be rewarded by another king. And in that, he's now asking the question, what is this going to look like? And then what we have happen next is a covenant ceremony. So the background to a deal being made, an agreement being made, was the idea that you would cut an animal and then you would walk between the animal and you're basically saying to the person that you're making an agreement with, let me be like this animal if I don't keep my promise. It like basically I'm staking my life on this promise and a sacrifice had to be made to prove that that's really what we meant. That's what I'm doing. So it comes at a cost. There's a cost to both parties. If you're going to take a precious animal, it wasn't like there was a grocery store nearby. There was not lawyers to cut covenants or make covenants with people. There was not police to enforce those covenants. So we're going to come up with our own way of saying that we're really serious about this agreement. And so this idea of cutting animals would be like, I'm going to take something precious to me, something that I'm going to have to make a sacrifice to do to prove that I am serious about the agreement that we're making. That was the background of this. And actually, the Hebrew phrase that comes out of this passage is the phrase cut a covenant, which is where we get our phrase cut a deal. If we say, like, do you want to cut a deal? It comes out of this exact ceremony. Hey guys, we're here because the Bible has changed so many lives. So just take a second and think about if you didn't have access to a Bible or you weren't even allowed to have one. This is a reality that many around the world are facing, which is why I want to tell you about one of our partners, Crew. 
Crew has missionaries in almost every country, and they are seeing people come to know Jesus. There's just one thing they're missing, a Bible in their own language, and that's where you come in. For only $24 a month, you can provide three people with Bibles each and every month. When you sign up to provide three Bibles with a monthly gift of $24, Crew will also provide meals to 12 hungry individuals through their humanitarian aid ministry. Plus, you'll receive a free copy of my new book, Not What I Signed Up For. Simply text STUDY to 71326 to help today. That's S-T-U-D-Y or visit give.crew.org slash study. Again, that's give.cru.org slash study. Message and data rates may apply and available to U.S. addresses only. Hello, folks. My name is Derek Greer, and I'm reaching out to fellow pastors and church leaders just like you to join me and other Christian leaders and organizations throughout the nation as we come together on June 8th and 9th for National Unity Weekend. Together, we will show the love of Jesus as we serve our communities on Saturday, June 8th, and then preach from a shared text on Sunday, June 9th. To register, go to unityweekend.com. That's unityweekend.com to join us as we unite the church and unite the nation. So that's how we understand this story. Okay, so we've got this sort of mysterious moment. We see that God is actually moving in Abram's life. They're having this conversation and then God actually creates or or enters into this ceremony to seal the deal, to cut the covenant, to say, yes, I'm serious about this promise. So what does it mean for us when we take in this idea? Now, first of all, one of the reasons that I brought you here today is because the idea of covenant is so powerful from Genesis to Revelation. It is such an incredibly important part of our faith that I think it's important for us to understand the background, like where it comes from and what's going on here. And what we see is that God's pursuing humans. God's pursuing Abram and he's saying, I'm going to make you a blessing. I'm going to bless others through you. You represent a people that I'm like, you're just the representative of that people. And then what we see in this story is what it looks like to be in a covenant and have a covenant made. So in verse six, when we ask the question, well, what does this mean for us? What does this mean? What does it mean for us? Verse six is huge. This verse is repeated in the New Testament over and over again. And this is the place where after God makes this promise for him, Abram believes the Lord. And then this little phrase, it says, and he, he is the little God, God credited to him as righteousness. This is huge for our faith. A lot of times people separate the Old Testament and the New Testament, and they say it's God, I don't like the God of the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about what's different in the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. But in the Old Covenant, which is what we're in right now, in this Old Covenant, I want you to see that even here, it is Abram's faith, not his work, that God credits to him as righteousness. Before Abram even does one righteous deed, he is counted righteous by his faith. It is his faith that actually moves this forward. And this is huge for us to understand because this is the same in the Old and New Testament that God is counting us righteous through our faith, through our belief that one of our greatest works, the only work we have to do in this world is to believe. Faith is belief in action. It's actually operating out of a place that says it is because of my faith that I make the choices and decisions that I make. And this idea carries us into our relationship with Christ who made a new covenant or in, in other words, he actually cut a new deal or, or maybe even more importantly, he fulfilled a deal. 
So Hebrews 7 verse 22 says, Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, meaning like Jesus is the actual sacrifice, the cost that was taken to show that there is a better covenant. We're no longer under the law as a sign of our citizenship and acceptance as God's people. So when Abram entered into a covenant with God, he believed God, it was credited to him as righteousness, but it was to a specific people group. The old covenant required a series of laws and birthright to be God's chosen people. In the Old Testament, which is another way to say the old covenant, in the Old Testament, God chooses a people to express to the rest of the world what it looks like to live in the kingdom of God. And it happens through a series of laws. That's what happens in the Old Testament. The Old Covenant, the Old Testament, it also required sacrifice. We see this first sacrifice made here in this covenant. It's a very, very costly sacrifice. It would have been incredibly costly to sacrifice a cow and a ram and a goat, all of these things as a sign of a sacrifice, right? And the old covenant required those sacrifices to be made over and over and over. One sacrifice was never enough. There is a series, a whole sacrificial system that we see being built out in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, all those places you can read about this sacrificial system, ways for God's people to be made right again, to be back into that holy place again. And the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, it required a priest to mediate between the people and God. So as God develops this sacrificial system, there are priests that mediate between the people and God. People themselves don't have direct access to God. They go through these priests And so when Hebrew says Jesus is the guarantor of a better covenant, it's because this new covenant is related to the old one, but Jesus is the fulfillment of all of those things. So when God credits Abram as righteous through his faith, we are also credited as righteous through our faith, but it happens through Christ, who is the fulfillment of all of this system that was set up that starts back here with Abram as God's chosen people begin to flourish in the earth and and as there's more and more of them. But the new covenant calls all of us. It calls everyone by faith, Jew and Gentile, those who are Jewish by birth and everybody else. That's what happens. The new covenant means that Christ is the ultimate sacrifice made for all of our sins. It's not a system where you have to keep on sacrificing over and over and over again. So many of us go to God over and over again. What can I do to show you, God, that I really mean it this time? That was done in Christ. He is the ultimate sacrifice. We don't continue to make sacrifices over and over again. The new covenant means Jesus is our great high priest. Jesus himself mediates for us on our behalf. And that gives us full access to God. We have full communion with God through Jesus. This is why it says in Hebrews 7, this is a better covenant. Like we get to enter into something even better. But when we understand where we come from, when we understand that the God of Abram is still the God of today, the God of Abram is the God of you, it's the God of me. And the God of Abram entered in way before Jesus, before the covenant would even be the new better covenant, this old covenant still has that same DNA because all Abram brought was faith. And we we will see in Abram's story, if you're reading in Genesis, you'll see like Abraham messes up. Like he's not righteous. He does not make good choices. Like things do not always go right. But what he had was faith. He believed what God had told him. 
when God said, you're going to be a blessing to all people, he believed it. Now he had questions about it. He was like, how is this going to happen? And then in this next part of this story, in this covenant, God actually is the one who passes through. He represents himself as this smoking fire pot, as this blaze of fire. And he passes through these cut animals. He does the sacrificing. He makes the covenant. He's the one who says, I'm going to keep this covenant. Notice that Abram does not pass through the covenant. It's not like Abram, like God's like, hey, Abram, you keep your side of the deal. You come through these animals and I'll keep my side of the deal. I'll come through these animals. No, he actually puts Abram in a deep sleep and he himself is the one who passes through the covenant. It's all based on God's character. And we see all of that sort of come to fruition in Jesus. So much more that we could talk about with that. But I just wanted you to see that connection, that a covenant that God made in the Old Testament is still fully reliant on God's character. And the covenant that Jesus makes with us in the New Testament is fully reliant on Jesus's character. All we bring to the table is our faith. So what does this mean for you today? Because of our acceptance, because our worth comes from what's been done for us through Christ, our response to God can be from love. Our response and our desire to be obedient to God's way, to honor God with our life comes from a place of worship. Like, oh my gosh, like, God, you've done all of this for me, that you have considered me worthy. You've accepted me fully, exactly for who I am. You have said that through Christ, I am made righteous, which means I don't have to serve God out of obligation and duty or guilt or shame that our relationship with God, we, we get to serve him out of love. And that's a place of lightness and joy and settledness and peace. And I don't know what kind of Christians you're around or what kind of Christian you are, but the kind of Christian I want to be is the one who is serving God out of a place of love, not out of obligation, not out of shame, not out of a sense of I've got to be perfect, but like because of what Christ has done for us, we get to serve God out of love, like out of this place of like abundance and joy and light and peace. And I don't know about you, but I want more of that in my life today. So that's my challenge for you to go to God. Let's go to God together as we close. Father, we thank you that because of what you've done for us, that we can trace our lineage all the way back to Abram and see you, God, at work, like looking for our faith and making promises to us, knowing that we are limited and that we sin and that we mess up again and again. And yet you have accepted us. You have called us worthy of your love, of your relationship, of communion with you through Christ. And we pray that we might even know that just a bit more today and live that out in love. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Talk with you guys next week. How to Study the Bible with Nicole Eunice is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you like what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review the podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled, inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com. Here 
tired of parenting advice and news headlines that are more confusing than assembling IKEA furniture, we've got just the podcast for you. My dear friend Abby and I are here to help you navigate the parenting roller coaster. Should your kids be on social media? What should you tell a friend facing an unplanned pregnancy? These are just some of the many questions we tackle on our podcast. Subscribe to The Real Deal of Parenting wherever you find your podcast.